Hey guys, welcome to the Drone Horizon podcast. I'm Alex and today I'm joined by Ryan Banks. Ryan, would you like to introduce yourself? Cool. So I'm Ryan. I, I picked up a camera just over two years ago now. Um, and I moved when I moved to Australia, I wanted to start a blog. Uh, and then I fell in love with photography. And since then, I've just been practicing, building up the skills, trying to build up my social media following. Uh, from Australia, I went to Indonesia. And from Indonesia, I came back to the UK because of COVID. I was uh, on a six-month trip around Asia, which unfortunately fell through because of COVID. So I ended up coming back again. But uh, that's my journey. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for being with us today, Ryan. Um, you've sent over three pictures, as we normally ask. Um, we'll start by talking about the dolphin one, which is an amazing shot. Sort of what kind of story has that shot got then? Uh, so that that was quite cool. So I was in Western Australia with a, an old friend of mine and we would came across a, a couple. And the guy, he was a proper wildlife man. He was a professional snake catcher. He liked to spearfish, he surf, he, like the typical Australian guy. Um, and then we were in this... Uh, national park i can't remember i think it was calbarry national park a place called red bluff and uh, he goes there's a pod of dolphins out there there's about 40 of them and uh I, I, for my eyes i can't see i'm not used to these must be like always got his eyes on it uh so i put the drone up and i sent it out <laughs> couldn't find them and then suddenly they just popped up through the uh through the waves really 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 cool to see um, took the shot and then as I was bringing back the drone so I used the Mavic Pro one so I can still turn the camera uh, portrait sure. um, and I was just flipping it between portrait and landscape and then the uh, the gimbal started spinning or something happened I think the gimbal was spinning looked like the drone was falling and I was so scared it was <laughs> I was like I've lost the drone I've lost the drone I said to my mates it's gone it's in this in the ocean it's gone and I had to look at the altitude and it, it wasn't going down and I was like oh that's that's not right so it's not falling uh, and I just flipped the uh, the orientation again, back to normal, managed to fly it back. But that was probably my biggest scare I've had with the drone. I thought I thought yeah. I lost it, I thought it was gone. I mean, that is one of the only damn types to fly over water. Um, obviously, yeah. if anything goes wrong, then that's kind of it. Especially salt yeah. water, because there's sort of no real coming back from that. Um, no, at least with fresh water, it's sort of maybe a little bit salvageable. But yeah, yeah that's I did an have... amazing shot. I did have another crash when I was in Bali at the uh, rice terraces and that uh, that went into a, it's like a, it's sort of a puddle, but the water was flowing out from the top, the ter terrace above to the terrace below, yeah, 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 right that. onto the drone. It's like the smallest, like probably only a foot wide and it managed to crash into there. Uh, but I took it to um, a Bali copter replacing Bali and they took it apart and they let it dry in the sun and put it back together and it's been working fine since. So cool. you can salvage it from fresh water from shore. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that is a fantastic shot. I mean, how long were you sort of waiting around to get that shot? Uh, I wasn't really waiting around for it. I didn't know they were there. Um, so I think we we hung out around that area because the same guy, his name's Tom, uh, he wanted to stick his wetsuit on and went spearfishing. Um, so we were just hanging around for him. And then when he got back, he went, go have a look out there. There's, there's, they, the dolphins in Australia, they just pop up randomly. You can never predict them. So I was like, straight up put the drone up send it straight out i can't even remember if i had back like a lot of battery or not just trying to find them um and it was just part of the luck because it was a big bay as well so it was like just searching randomly didn't know exactly where they were he pointed me in a general direction um but the drone was probably only up for about 10 15 minutes uh wouldn't even be that five ten minutes managed to get it and then pull the drone back before it died I mean, that is one of the great things about drones. Obviously, you can just send them up and, and use them for just looking around if, if anything yeah. else. And I mean, obviously, in this situation, if 
you know, you've been able to sort of use the drone to find them and then capture this incredible shot. Like it's it's a really really lovely shot. Yeah, um, it was it was a nice one. It's one of my favourite ones at the time because it was still quite uh, when I was quite new to especially drone photography. So I was really really proud of that one. Cool. Um, so we will move on to the second shot. This is the one on the coast. Um, do you want to talk us through this one? It's again fantastic shot. So this is more of my most recent shots, and it was actually a collaboration with my friend Matty, who I went to Iceland with. Um, and because my I went to Iceland and I forgot my in-car charger for the drone battery. So I went with two batteries and then when they were gone, they were gone. So we shared his drone. Um, uh, so we we were in a place called Studlagil. Do you know Studlagil? I don't know. So I don't know if you've ever seen it on Instagram. It's a magnificent place. Uh, it's like a canyon. And either side of the canyon are these big basalt columns. Um, oh, we yes, yes, I have seen yeah. it. Yeah, 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 I've seen pictures of it. We were there on the west of the the west, the east of the island. Um, and Matty wanted to get to the Estrahorn, which is where this one was shot, which was on the south of the island. And it was, I think we were at Studlagil for sunset and we left there quite late and he wanted to get there for sunrise and it was a four or five hour drive. So we drove through the night. I think a couple of hours in, I ended up getting out and going to sleep in the back of the van and let Matty do the rest. I couldn't. Uh, and we managed to get to this, uh, get, get to the Estrahorn uh, about two, three o'clock in the morning, a couple of hours sleep, get up. And when we were, we were in Iceland for a week and the entire week, moody, rainy weather, overcast, nothing. And this was the one good sunrise we got that had some good colour. Um, and you, I don't know if you've got, if you've got the shot at the moment, can you see it? Yes. Yeah. So if you follow the road round, the, the ring road, you can see probably not halfway but slightly to the left there's a little white dot and that's the van uh, that yep. we were staying in that's oh wow. the van we were staying in yeah so he we drove he found the little pullover we stopped there we slept for a few hours got up to see this magnificent sunrise and we were sitting there right there for it it was so uh, you, fl you flew from that point or did you walk we flew, sort of towards the edge we flew from that point we flew from the literally back of the drone uh, back of the van sorry opened up the back doors set the drone out sat in the back of the van and flew the drone from there it was a beautiful morning and absolutely unreal color yeah definitely so was this taken on a mavic pro as well yeah this is the two mavic pro just the two yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's a beautiful shot i mean as you say the the weather sort of aligned for you on on oh, this shot i mean yeah. it's it's, it's lovely when things come together like that especially obviously in this situation mm. where you drove through the night to get the shot it would yeah. have been a bit of a disappointment if you'd have got there and the weather had let you down yeah. but no. it did a lot it did a lot on that trip so this was this was a, like a morning to remember for me because we, we we hit every sunrise sunset for seven days straight we got three or four hours sleep a night the entire week um and looking for the color and we, we just weren't getting it we got some like don't get me wrong got some awesome sort of like overcast moody shots but but it was nice on that morning to get some decent colour. I think that is something with Iceland. Um, I mean, I was chatting to Hugo Healy um, last week oh, yeah. and he was saying that when he went out to Iceland, like the weather was just, it's, it's a very moody place. Like you don't tend to mm. get your typical blue skies and that kind of thing. But it because it's got the sort of, the mountainous landscape to go with it they work really well with each other yeah um yeah, I mean, so a lot of the sort of iceland shots you see are, are a lot more monotone but this one you've got a really nice sort of like uh pinky in the middle which i guess yeah. is from the sunrise it was almost too pinky too i try i actually tried to tone down the pinky purple out out of it a little bit and make it a little bit more orange but it's really difficult like the ground looks pink and you've got that really cool tone in the uh 
in the shadows and stuff. So uh, that was yeah. really cool. But uh, yeah, I was I was there with Mr. Healy. I met him for a day up in the Highlands. Yeah. That was the first time I met Hugo. And um, that was a good day as well. We got some really, really cool shots that day. The Highlands in Iceland are just a, a drone playground. Everything. So much fun up there. Yeah, it's somewhere I definitely want to go. Uh, I mean, I had the same kind of thing with weather when I was in Norway last year. Um, I mean, I, I had a spark at the time. Um, mm. And obviously it's a less professional drone in the sense that it can't go as far, but it was my first drone and I thought I'd take yeah. it with me. Um, and the weather just, it was quite overcast. I mean, we were only there for a week, but it was quite overcast and I didn't mm. get to take it off as much as I wanted to. And I sort yeah. of looking back, I was like, oh, I wish I'd just put it up in the air every single day. But obviously when you're sort of starting out, you have that apprehension mm. of all, oh, of course, want to put it out. And yeah, actually little baby, you well, don't want to let it go anywhere. Well, that was the thing in Iceland with Matty's drone, like, um, because we had we had a lot of rain, and I think we tested the drones waterproof to the limit that uh, holiday. <laughs> it was oh, it's it's only slightly raining. It can go up, or it's like raining a little bit harder. All right, we'll just put it a little bit higher. We'll get this one shot, and then we'll bring it back. And um, but it was worth it, and the drone survived. And then he went to Norway himself not long after, and he done the same there, and the drone still survived. So they're actually the, at least the Mavic Pro Two is pretty water durable. I don't want to say waterproof, but. Definitely yeah, durable. I mean, it's it's not something they tend to advertise because they don't want you to know. You know, obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are great. Um, so this specific shot, um, being a portrait shot, I'm guessing this was another sort of portrait uh, panorama that you did. Yeah, this would have been a free shot panorama. Yeah. Uh, so do you nice. do this in drone or you do this manually when you get back in Lightroom? Uh, man, manually on my one, I don't have the oh no i have the it doesn't stitch it together in my pro one as far as i'm aware I, I haven't tried looking for it to be honest i usually just do it manually um and yeah i think on matty's one because he at the time he was still uh trying to get like further back rather than taking a panorama shot and sticking them together so showed yeah. him how to stick it to uh, stitch them together so we've we done a three it was a, it would have been a three or a four short panorama vertical panorama yeah, yeah and, uh, stitched together manually in lightroom cool um, and then moving on to the last shot, which is a sun, sunrise or sunset shot? That is a sunset, that one. Okay. Um, whereabouts was this? This was in a place called Bunbury in South Australia, uh, Western Australia, sorry. Um, I was on a road trip with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I was we were driving through these areas. There's a few towns along it, uh, next to each other. Uh, we didn't have any place in mind, um, and we were just trying to kill time before we got to Perth. But as we were driving through Bunbury, I noticed that you can see the clouds. I had a look up in the sky. I knew it was about two hours, an hour away from sunset, and I knew it was going to blow up, and I needed to go somewhere. We found this lake, and I saw that this sort of walkway goes out into the middle of the lake um, on Google Maps. And I was like, all right, we'll go there. We'll check it out. It might be something. It might not be. Um, anyway, we get there. Sun's going down. I put the drone up, and I just realized how still the water is on the lake. And... The way that it mirrored the sky was absolutely unreal. Um, and I was just, I, as soon as I put the drone up, my drawer dropped and I thought, well, that's, that's some awesome conditions that is. So I find that, that this shot is really sort of memorable to me in my, my Australia trip. It's probably one of my favorites. I even got it um, printed out for my dad last for his Christmas present last Christmas, because at the time it was my favorite shot. So it means a lot yeah. to me, this one. I mean, it's. I think it's one of those things that you can try to as best to capture it with a camera, but it's one of those things that unless you're there, like, you yeah, know, yeah, when it's course. when it's standing before you. I mean, when I first when you first sent the picture over, 
I wondered whether this was because it almost looks like you've taken it with a DSLR sort of standing on the ground and it's like a thin path leading out. But obviously oh, now yeah. you said it's a footpath, you can obviously yeah. see like the scale of everything. It's it's you know yeah, it's you massive. Could, it was quite long. Um, it's probably a good five six hundred meters. You can walk out into the wow. middle of the lake and it just stops. So I think the drone was fairly high. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you for sure at the time. I was still um, trying not to go over the one hundred and twenty meter limit that they set in Australia because I don't know how you get caught and stuff like that um, but since then I kind of I've become more relaxed about that for sure um, but yeah so it wouldn't have been too high probably been 150 160 meters in the air something like that but yeah it's worth it worth it for that sky view yeah I think sometimes obviously by no means are we encouraging breaking the drone laws but it is <laughs> sometimes when it comes to getting that shot and you're just like oh just a little bit higher and you, you get yeah. that perfect framing that you're after um i mean i'm guessing this is yeah, another yeah. three shot panorama you've stitched together as well uh i actually think this one i just took landscape all oh, right um, okay just took landscape it's quite far out and i cropped in four by five um i oh. do have or I, or, or I may have taken it portrait um i wasn't stitching at the time then May have taken a portrait and then taken a landscape shot as well because I'm pretty sure I have both versions sitting around somewhere. So yeah, because um, it was a landscape version I got printed out for my dad. Yeah, no, it's just a really, really lovely shot. I was going to say I think the the drone laws of like maximum altitude is it can as long as you're smart about it. I don't think it's too much of an issue if you know you're not going to be near any sort of flight paths or. And you're looking around and keeping your wits about you going a little bit higher isn't going to be too much of an issue but you've just got to be smart haven't you yeah as again as we're saying not encouraging it but no <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, yeah better to ask forgiveness than permission sometimes as everyone well, says on youtube yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a youtuber's motto i think that one yeah, yeah it is isn't it <laughs> um so so you mentioned that you use the mavic pro one um, do you yeah. want to talk us through sort of what kit you take with you when you go out shooting? Um, that can be, yeah. you know, you can include your DSLR in that as well if you have one. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I actually have it set out here. So the Mavic Pro One is my is my drone. After using the Mavic Pro Two in um, in Iceland, I'm actually looking to upgrade soon. But I'm sticking around and waiting for the rumours of the three coming out. Hopefully, beginning of next year. Uh, so I'm going to wait for that and see what happens because the Pro One is still a good drone um Definitely. It does does the job it's just the two the quality was just it was quite significant in my eyes using the two after using the one so it's kind of like maybe it's time for an upgrade um but yeah the mavic pro one with the the controller that comes with it i don't have the smart controller but it's something that i'll definitely be looking to get next time i think because it's something else i always i also got to use first time in iceland and oh, it was awesome uh, the clear the screen was so like crystal clear it was so nice um, and I, most of my shots have been taken on the uh, Sony A6400, actually. Um, it's a camera I bought last Christmas, or before last Christmas as a present to myself on, uh, on Black Friday, but I recently upgraded to the Sony A7 III, which is what I use these days. Finally got myself a full frame after, I think it was about two years of, of shooting. So that's nice to use. Um, and just the GoPro Hero 8 as well. Every now and then, I bought that to go to Indonesia for some underwater shots, but then obviously COVID happens, and then I come back, and there's not much underwater stuff here in the UK, so I haven't yeah. used that too much. 
Um, and then I use the low pro pro tactic for 50 camera bag and that fits everything in. I don't have a specific case for my drone. Obviously I got the fly more kit. So I have the lever sort of over the shoulder strap bag, but I used to use that, but no, I just, uh, I just have it sectioned out in my bag so that everything fits nicely and everything's easily accessible. I probably will look for um, a, a case for the drone at some point to go into the bag. And I was thinking the, uh, the cube, the Pete McKinnon cube is probably quite good with that day pack that comes with it as well. Um, but for now, yeah, it all just fits in nicely into me, into my pro tactic. Um, do you use any filters at all or do you just shoot uh, without? I do. I use, I use the, uh, the Polar Pro Cinema Line filters. Um, I have the ND4, ND8, ND16 uh, uh, circular polarizer filters. And uh, the, the ND4 pretty much lives on my drone. Um, and then every now and then uh, I may swap to one if I need it darker. I did once when I was down Reculver. Uh, I put the drone up there and I wanted to try and get some smooth sea. So I went to an eight or a 16, I can't remember. But um, but yeah, I just use it. I like the colors, the colors that come with putting the filter on top. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, and then I have the odd go filter for my camera. I haven't spent too much money on my filter system for the camera. I do most of that in Lightroom if I need to. Um, do you tend to shoot more pictures than videos with your drone? Because um, a lot of the guys uh, we've yeah, spoken I... to, they sort of vary between the two, but... I mean, you were saying that you don't tend to use the filters too much, so obviously that implies that you tend no, to take yeah. more pictures. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm a photographer. I haven't picked up videography yet. I've done a few bits here and there. It's something that I'm looking to do. Um, I'm just waiting at the moment because I'm still running. This laptop is 2014 MacBook Pro, uh, low, lowest spec as well. So it, it screams at me when I'm on Lightroom. So I'm not, I'm not really sure it can handle Premiere Pro. So uh, for now, I'm yeah. just sitting back and chilling out. And I'm going to look for a good course at some point, And then eventually, I'm going to pick up videography because I think being a hybrid shooter is definitely like uh, better for the clients because it's more attractive for them. So it's definitely something that I want to learn. So you obviously mentioned clients. Is that something, do you have sort of many clients that you uh, do photography for at the minute? Or is that something you're sort of looking into going into at some point? Uh, that's something that I'm looking into going into at some point. I put myself uh, together a media kit not too long ago. It was quite a while ago now. And then uh, when the lockdown here, the first one ended in the UK, I tried to send it around. I think I emailed 20 to 25 tourism companies and maybe five, 10 uh, van hire companies and nobody got back to me. I just think uh, for the, in this current climate to get my first sort of big client job is quite difficult. So now that things are starting to calm down again, I think that's something I'm definitely going to look into. The only client sort of, it's not really a job that I've had. I've sold some images to the South Australian government. Um, they got hold of me when I was traveling through South Australia and they asked to buy some images off me, which was really surprising because it was like, uh, my photography was not very good then not very good at all I was almost back as a beginner I would call myself back then so I was really happy about that at the time um I do the odd sort of uh portrait shoots couple shoots around the area but no big travel um jobs yet which I'm hoping to get at some point I also want to do the uh the drone course as well so that I'm certified to fly which will obviously make it a lot more easier for me to find those drone jobs well at least I'm hoping so anyway yeah um, so those shots that you, uh, the the Australian government asked for, is that um, are they any of the three that you've sent over, or are they sort of separate ones? Uh, no, no, they were before the three that I sent over to you. They were 
they weren't great shots. Most of them were camera shots. There was one good drone shot I had um, that I quite liked. I went, we were traveling through South Australia. We went to a place called Cactus Beach. Um, and I don't know if you've seen it on, it got quite famous on Instagram at one point. There's like a, a road that runs straight down to waters. And one side, the water's pink and one side, the water's blue. Yes, I People have call it like Watermelon Beach or something like that. It doesn't look like that in real life, or at least it didn't when I was there. Um, but uh, yeah, so we took that shot that, uh, and then we carried on down and there were some sand dunes and in the sand dunes, there was a big lake and um, we pulled up there. It was winter in the south side of Australia, which is pretty cold, surprisingly. So there weren't a lot of people about, it was quite nice, it wasn't very touristy, but there was this one woman there and she'd just come back in from canoeing on a lake and it was like a perfect golden hour. And I said, I asked her, would you mind going back out in the lake? And she said, yeah, no, that's fine. I said, I'll take pictures of, on the drone and then uh, I'll send them to you. And she was like, yep. So she went back out in the lake and it was like this lovely blue lake. We had some awesome golden light. And she's just a little canoeist in the middle of the lake. And it, it was it was a really nice shot, to be fair. It was another shot that I was quite proud of. But um, yeah, that didn't make my free that I gave you, unfortunately. That's all right. Um, I mean, those kind of shots as well, especially where you've got something that you know the rough size of, it helps to sort of give that scale. I mean, the yeah. the one of the uh, the one from Iceland, you can see the obviously the size of the van in the distance. Yeah, I think I think that's a lighthouse or some that's kind of building on the edge. Yeah, it's a, it's it a helps to put it there. into perspective. I mean, it, you know, it shows just the the scale of everything, and especially the the mountain off to the left hand side, like. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly looks daunting over there, but yeah, Iceland, I mean, Iceland, Iceland is an unreal place. You just got view and after view, mountain after mountain, waterfall after waterfall. You stop every 30 minutes when you're going around the ring road just to see something unique and something amazing and big. Um, it's definitely worth it. I think Iceland is one of the few places I think I could definitely keep going back to and not get bored. Yeah, it's the same with Norway. I mean, you can you can spend sort of a half an hour drive. You can take you an hour and a half because you're just stopping mm. so much. It's, as you say, it's like every corner you pull around, it's just another amazing view. And yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely somewhere. Iceland is somewhere I'd love to go. And Norway, as you said, you know, somewhere that you could keep coming back to. Would, just... Yeah, I'd love to do Norway as well. I'd love to do that. Maybe there's something I'll look into next year. We'll see. We'll see. I want to do the Dolomites as Sorry. well. Is there anywhere else that you'd sort of booked up to go to this year that obviously I know you had to come back from uh, from uh, Asia. So is that something that you're probably going to continue on with next year or are you going to put that on hold I'll, for now? I'm going to put it on hold for now. Asia is something I want to do. So when I left to go to Australia, the original plan in November 2018 was a year in Australia, then a year traveling around Asia. Um, and then sort of three calls away through my Australia, uh, I decided to extend my visa for another year. Um, I had sort of, I was doing that th this road trip I was on from Melbourne to Perth and sort of going through that, it made me realise how much in Australia there is to see and how big it is and how long it would take to get round. And what I had originally planned was to get pretty much all the way around in quite a short space of time. So I decided to extend my, my visa another year. Um, and then and then continue around um but then when i was in i went to perth went up east side uh, the west side of australia came back down to perth um after working on a farm and then my car broke and it was just going to cost me too much money to replace it uh, so what me and my ex-girlfriend did we decided to fly to bali um and then start an indonesia trip instead so instead of spending our savings on a, on a car or going into possible debt to one of our parents we decided to just use our money and go somewhere a bit cheaper um, and then the plan was to do sort of four or five, six months around Asia, then come back. I was going to go back to the Gold Coast. I was going to work on the Gold Coast. 
uh, do a month in New Zealand when my visa ran out, come back to the UK to surprise my mum for her birthday and then go back and do a year in Asia. So I actually cut the trip really, really short compared to what I was doing before. Um, but now I'm hoping to sort of, uh, sort of five, six months ago, I was like, right, this, I'm enjoying this. This is something I want to do. I feel like I have the quality of photos that people would like to pay for. And it's something that I would like to try to push for. So I'm sort of doing um, a full-time job at the moment, but it's really, it's really nice. I, I do two really long days a week and then a short day, and that's my full day, uh, full-time job. So I get four days off, uh, like four full days off a week while still bringing in a full, full, uh, full-time wage. Uh, so what I'm going to be looking for now is hopefully in those four days is to start getting work with my camera elsewhere, and then slowly transfer into the into the uh, the creative businesses. So what I'm planning. So is the work that you're in at the minute, is that anything to do with sort of uh, like photography and that kind of thing? Or is it something just completely separate? Uh, it's something completely separate. I work as a support worker for young adults at the moment, okay. which is a really nice, fulfilling, rewarding job. And I enjoy it. Um, but one day I would like to move solely into photography and probably videography if I can. Um, but at the moment, I'm just I've settled down here in the UK. I'm, I get quite a lot of holiday at work as well as the so almost a week off in the middle. Um, so I'm hoping to do quite a few trips. I want to go up to Scotland. I want to go to Ireland, Wales, uh, hopefully get to Norway. I want to do a trip into the Dolomites. Me and my flatmate are talking about uh, a week in Thailand and a week in Vietnam next year, if we can, if, if we can get there. Um, and then in a couple of years, I'll probably, once I've saved up some money and got a bit of foot in, maybe even become a full-time travel photographer, which would be the dream. Uh, and then I'll think about going to Asia again and I'll probably spend six to six months to a year traveling around Asia because I just find Asia I, I went to China uh, when I was a lot younger and I just fell in love with the like the the, the way the culture is so different like I was quite lucky to well, when growing up to be able to visit a lot of different countries um, but going to China was just something else because it was just so starkly different from everything else that I've ever been used to or ever visited so um, I was actually really really looking forward to traveling around Asia and gutted that COVID happened and my trip was cut short so it's definitely something I'm going to go back and do. I mean even just I mean getting out of the UK as well you get to see mm. the way that different people live and that kind of thing and especially yeah obviously for myself I've you know I was born in the UK I've, I've lived here all my life like it's only when you go on the holiday and visit places that aren't so touristy that you actually mm. you know it opens your mind up a lot more and as you say, we've, we're going to Australia for as long as you did. And then, you know, what, what you're planning to do, you know, in the next sort of few years or so, like mm. it's, you know, it opens your mind to sort of what's out there and rather than just living in this sort of nine to five. And obviously you've been lucky enough with yourself to get in a position where you're able to sort of split your time between mm. the two. Um, and, you know, that's probably the way to do it. And it means you still get to sort of focus on your hobby and, and do that in your spare time, but also still be able to support yourself and not have to sort of yeah. throw everything down and move solely straight into being a freelance photographer because that's yeah. quite a big jump to take. And obviously it's probably yeah, nice course. to be able to transition over slowly rather than yeah. all at once kind of thing. I mean, if I was doing a full-time job Monday to Friday, trying to transition into a full-time freelance photographer would be obviously really difficult because you're starting to either turn down jobs, call in sick to your old job, or trying to squeeze everything into a weekend, I suppose. 
Um, whereas I, in the position I'm in at the moment, if, if hopefully I can transfer into freelance photography, I have a massive chunk of free time to do it with. Um, and then when I eventually jump from uh, like uh, working for someone, corporate work, to being a freelance photographer, um, it shouldn't be that big of a jump for me because I've already been doing it quite a lot uh, in, in my spare time. So it'll be obviously... Probably the balance between jobs coming in and um, time would be quite easy for me to maintain, I think, by that point. Um, so how did you sort of first get into photography? I mean, obviously, you're saying it's something you want to go into full time, but sort of where did the interest first start? Uh, the interest, interest first started, it didn't first start in photography, actually. I Before I left for Australia, um, I had gotten into watching a lot of travel vlogs, uh, a lot of Cara and Nate, Christian LeBlanc and stuff like that. And, watching them made me think oh I want to do that I, I want to travel and I want to get paid for it um so initially I actually before I left I bought myself my first camera was a Nikon D3400 um I bought myself that and I started up a blog um originally my my handle on Instagram was Viva La Backpack not Riley Banks and I started a uh, blog under the name Viva La Backpack a name that took me months to come up with and I still don't like it um but yeah so I started writing a blog and then uh I actually, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I like writing sometimes, but trying to write, come plan, write, write the blog, go out and take the photos for the blog in and around what I was doing while I was working in Australia was really difficult. But what I did fall in love with was taking the photos part. And uh, so when I first picked up photography, I was, I was putting myself in all of the photos, sort of like, oh, look, look at me, I'm traveling, here I am. Um, but I found that uh, as I started to improve, I found that, it was sort of too easy putting myself in the photo created a subject in which the rest of the photo sort of was composed around so then I started taking myself out of the photo because I found that my weak point was composition and um, it made me think more technically about my composition uh, composition if I took the human element element out of it um, and then that's where I started to progress and started to build up that passion into what it is now what I want to hopefully go into in the future. Um, and I just kept at it. And I, every time I go out, I get excited. Every time I book a trip, I'm like, yep, camera's gears ready. And it's just, uh, and especially in Iceland, I like, I really, really enjoyed the, uh, you find a place, you have to pack it all up, pack up all your gear. And then you walk for two hours, wherever you go on a hike to try and find this one shot, this one location. And then you get, you get what you want. You get that image and the feeling is amazing. And I'd like to be doing that every day if I could. Um, but yeah, so that's where the passion started. It started as a blogger and then turned into a photographer and uh, going from there, really. And so you picked up your drone, how sort of what, how far into your sort of photography journey, I suppose, did you pick up a drone? Uh, so it was, if I tried to think, so it was probably about six or seven months in. Um, one of my friends, uh, a guy called Clarence, um, he had a drone. He, he was a friend of mine. He was in Sydney. And then um, I went to work on a farm and I managed to get him work on a farm. And just before he came to the farm, he picked up a drone. So I went from the, I drove from the farm to Melbourne. I met him and then we put the drone up in Melbourne and he let me have a go. And I had so much fun. And then uh, I went back to the farm with him. I was on the farm for another two months. And I didn't get a drone then. The far, this farm was in the middle of nowhere, like countryside of, of Victoria in Australia. And, uh, there was nothing to really take pictures of around there. So I, I didn't, for almost two months, I just put photography down. 
Um, but then as soon as I got back, I got onto, I can't remember what, it's probably Gumtree. Um, and I found myself a secondhand Mavic Pro. I got the Flymore combo. It's $900, which is about 450 pounds. So it's a really, really, really good deal. Um, and I've been, been flying it ever since. I, I soon the day I bought it, I took it down to, oh, I can't remember. I think it was a place in Victoria called Black Rock. Um, and there's a, an old warship that sunk there. And they filled it with concrete and used it as a wave break. And I flew the drone out there. And that was probably my first shot on my first drone. Um, and that wasn't a bad shot either, to be fair. It could have been better, but but it was definitely fun. And my, talking about flying it over the water and the dangers. And that was the first thing I'd done when I got the drones. I flew out to sea and took a picture of a sunken ship. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think drones are so addictive. I mean, even yeah. in a situation where you can't take pictures, you know, just any opportunity to get it up and fly it around, you know, it, it, it's 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 one of those things that you can't really explain until you do it. And, mm. you know, a lot of people, you know, they see them and, you know, obviously understandably some people do find them a nuisance and that kind of thing, but yeah. being in a position where you can fly without annoying anybody and just enjoy mm. having it, you know, it is, it is lovely. And was with the Mavic Pro as well, like it's still a great drone. I mean, it's been out, I think it's oh, yeah. years now and, you know, it's still mm. a fantastic bit of kit. I mean, yeah, the shots is. that you've taken are, are great and, you know, you can really get some great shots with kit that's even three, four years old. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when I bought my Mavic Pro 1, the Mavic Pro 2 had only just come out. So I think that's why I got it quite cheap as well. It was probably about a week after Mavic 2 came out, so obviously all the prices dropped. But talking about being a nuisance, uh, there's a story from South Australia. Is it? Australia is an awesome country at the moment for drone laws. It's one of the few places you can literally fly anywhere as long as it's not within five kilometers of an airport. So I could be in the middle of Melbourne city and I could put the drone up if I want, and it's not against the law. Um, and we were in Adelaide um, and I put the drone up there and there was a guy there, uh, that, well, this is a bit of a tangent, but there was a guy there flying FPV and it was, it was the first time I've ever seen someone fly FPV and I put the drone up and I was trying to take pictures of this gorge. And he went, if you're drone up, is your drone up in the air? I went, yeah, he went, where? And I, pointed up to it he went all right don't move it and i put the drone on video and uh he flew his fpv drone and he was just doing flips around my drone it was coming down like uh, it, was, it was quite fun but um some old woman walked past us this story uh about the nuisance some old woman walked past us and she went you guys and the, they're your drones and i was like yeah and she went oh. one of them came this close to flying past my grandson's ear you have to be more careful with them and i was looking at the drone it was 100 meters in the air I don't know what she was on about, but yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel putting the drone up in a public place that is full of people is quite, sometimes I don't do it and sometimes I do. And I feel like I just don't want to be the nuisance. Like, but It's quite daunting, hand, I find. I want the shot, yeah. I mean, there's been a, uh, when I was um, at Old Harry's Rocks um, on the oh, south yeah. coast in Dorset, I was there earlier in the year um, and I, you know, it's somewhere that I go every year and I've taken my drone there for the last couple of years um, mm. and I put it down and set it all up and I was sort of looking around and there was quite a lot of people. And it's one of those things that, you know, as soon as you start the blades up, like everyone's going to turn and look at you. And then when it's yeah. up, in the, especially when you're bringing it back as well, obviously everyone's watching it come in. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. one of those things that you kind of wish they made less noise because everyone yeah. looks at you and there's more pressure on you. And, you know, obviously you don't want people coming over and... Mm and sort of moaning at you because you know, you're allowed to fly but it's like well, yeah you know it's but on the flip side as well i have also had a lot of fun conversations with people that have come over and been incredibly interested in what i'm doing they're like oh is that a drone yeah oh yeah where is it oh it's over there it's like 
it's a dot in the sky. Oh, can I have a look? Yeah, you can have a look. And they, they love it. Um, there's not, I found so far with after 18 months or so of drone photography that not many people voice an issue with it. They might have an issue with it. They don't voice an issue with it. Uh, more often than not, people are intrigued to see what's going on, um, especially kids. Kids love it. I think um, with it being new technology as well, obviously there's people know what they are, but not what they're mm. always capable of. And yeah. especially with drone photography and where you're able to say that this is what I, you know, because a lot of people think for drone stuff, they think, oh, you're using it to take pictures of me or to spy on me is, is one of the yeah. things that I've heard in the past. But, you know, when you turn around and say to them, I, I've got no interest in taking pictures of you, I'm taking pictures of yeah. this. And you can mm. show them what you're cap- what the drone is capable of and what you're capable mm. of. And they go, oh, okay, actually, that's really, really yeah. good. As long as you've got something to back it up with, it almost, it, I think the more mm. people that are sort of friendly with members of the public, I suppose, and can show them and sort of give a, a positive outlook on on droning then i guess that's what will change everybody's perception of it rather than it being an annoyance kind of thing 100 percent. yeah i know exactly what you mean it's just uh, i i don't understand people that say you're using it to spy on me because why would i why would i have an interest like what 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 (laughs) use would i have in spying on you with a drone i suppose but um probably the same people that say that their phones are spying i suppose phones are aren't they but but hey you know all you can do is try and explain to them what you're doing. And, yeah, exactly. And as long as you're flying legally as well, and you know yeah. you're, not, you're flying within the parameters, you know they've got no legal justification. They can't come up no, and say, "Oh, no. you're not allowed to fly yeah. here." And as long as you're confident and you know that you can fly where yeah. you are, and you know, then mm. you can say, "Well, actually, I'm allowed to fly here because this, this, and this." And yeah. they go, "Oh, okay. Well, he knows what he's doing." Then it it yeah. sort of sets you apart from you know people that are just there to cause nuisance. And if you can sort of set yourself aside from that, obviously it gives you a better president yeah. if you do want to go there in the future. Yeah, 100%. And that's another reason I'd quite like to become certified at some point. So it makes the whole thing just a little bit easier. Um, and being able to fly and take pictures of, of what you like. I have and I make, you know, you work here. There's an amazing castle here in Rochester. And as far as the drone laws go, I'm not allowed to fly here. It's too built up. So it would be, it would be nice to fly it here and get a nice shot of the castle. But for the most part, uh, for the moment, I don't, I don't try. So um, you obviously mentioned that a couple of your earlier shots, looking back, aren't that great now. Is there yeah. a, sort of any mistakes <laughs> that you made earlier on that maybe you could advise people in the future to to make? Oh, over editing was the first one. Um, trying to make it stand out and look unique, but then ending up just editing it too much and it actually looks not like rubbish, absolutely rubbish. That's probably one, and not focusing on compositional techniques as well is not something for the first sort of six months isn't really something that I, I focused on and I wish I had. Um, I wish I had uh, watched more YouTube on that and learned more of that. So that good for the because when I first started for the first few months, I was just pointing and shooting. I was like, oh, that's a nice background. I'll stand in front of it and I'll ask someone to take a picture of it, and that should be good. Um, and then the, the, one of the most obvious ones, I think every photographer will tell you is light and looking out for that sort of contrast um, between light and shadow, trying to work, trying to see what makes what makes an image pop, and what makes the subject stand out uh, on, on, on a dark background or, or a lighter background, I think is a great, great thing to improve on when you very first start your photography journey. Cool. Um, I think that's everything for today then, but thank you for taking time out of your day to 
uh, chat no problem. Um, Happy to do it. Yeah, it's been really nice. And as I say, your, your shots are fantastic. And mm. it's been really nice hearing about the, the stories behind them. Awesome. If you're ever in the area, let me know and we'll go shoot. Yeah, cool. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, mate.